Namo Buddhaya. Namo Yesterday, Maitreya Bandhu told us that was, there was no such thing in abstract as love. That love is when we connect and it happens moment by moment. So as we look at each other, there's always the potential for love. Yeah. I'm going to just start with a poem, a reading actually about Amitabha. The, the Buddha of love, if you like. He's, he's red because he's blushing with love. Yeah. Amitabha, thou who liveth within my heart, awaken me to the immensity of thy spirit, to the experience of your living presence. Deliver me from the bonds of desire and from the slavery of small aims, from the delusion of narrow egohood. Enlighten me with the light of your wisdom. Suffuse me with the incandescence of your love, which includes and embraces the darkness. Like the light that surrounds the core of the flame, like the love of a mother that surrounds the growing life in the darkness of her womb, like the earth protecting the tender germ of the seed. Let me be the seed of your living light, Give me the strength to burst the sheath of selfhood and like the seed that dies in order to be reborn, let me fearlessly go through the portals of death so that I may awaken to the greater life. The all-embracing life of your love, the all-embracing love of your wisdom. How do we fuel the great love? The great love that is described in the Vimalakirti, Nadesha by Vimalakirti, as being firm, pure, eliminated, having eliminated its enemy, spontaneous, enlightened, great compassion, never exhausted, always giving effort, wisdom, a liberative technique because it shows the way everywhere. The love that is happiness because it introduces living beings to the happiness of the Buddha. How do we do that? If you know, drop me a line. Um, how do we love all beings as if they were our only child? I have an only child. I would do anything for him. I'd die for him. I often feel like I am actually, <laughs> particularly at the moment. Um, I, I would go to the other end of the planet for him now, if I needed to. 
how could I do that for every being? That's always been my koan, yeah? So the quick answer is we practice positive emotion, but it's actually not quite as simple as that, is it? Yeah? And the fuel that helps us to move from our present state to a state where we can respond with love, whatever the circumstances, is positive emotion. So what is positive emotion? It's emotion that's infused with love. And whether that love is meeting pain and unpleasantness or pleasure and happiness, it's love. But it looks different in different circumstances. The Brahma Viharas, that is, metta or love, karuna, compassion, mudita or a happy sensitivity to other people's gladness and fortune, and upekka or equanimity. These Brahma Viharas are the most positive mental states possible and they're completely limitless. So we can never be too kind. We can never love too much. They're limitless, they're sublime, and they're where the, God, the Brahma king or the king of the gods lives. That means that they're the dwelling place of the highest possible mental states. And by turning to them, by cultivating them, we can live there too. Yeah, our minds can live there too. So Banti, um, so my boyfriend told me, reminded me of this last night on the phone. Um, what he reminded me was that Banti says that the most characteristic emotion of Buddhists is joy. It ought to be joy. And so we ought to be called happies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, happies. That's how we know really we're making progress, yeah, that we experience love and joy. We might not always be happy, yeah, it's not quite the same thing, is it? So what did the Buddha have to say about these sublime states, these limitless emotions of positivity? He had, what he had to say in the Kalamar Sutta is that if we practice them, our lives will become happier, we will experience more ease, we will experience more satisfaction. And not only that, others will as well. Yeah? Others will everywhere. So in the Sutta he says that beings above and below, to the east, to the west, to the north and the south, will all benefit, will all be happier, will all experience sukha. Yeah? So that's happiness or ease or satisfaction. What an amazing thing to do, to bring about a world where that is how it is. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also reminded, I really love it when I can bring something from my work into the Dharma. And of course it's not really like that because the Dharma is much bigger than, than my work. But um, there's all this positive psychology stuff around now, which is the science that tells you that compassion's good. Yeah? 
The Buddha didn't have science, he just knew from his own experience. But one of the little phrases that is being bandied about in the world of leadership development where I work is that what we pay attention to is what comes into being. Yeah? What we pay attention to is what comes into being. So if we pay attention again and again and again to love, to compassion, to rejoicing in other people's good fortune, they will start to be our world because we create our worlds with our mind. So what are they? Let's have a look. I just need to, could somebody just help me move this forward? I think it's best if you pick up the mat. Oh, oh, let's just have the flip chart then. Thank you. Can you see? Yeah. Let's just... Oh. How's that? Is that all right? Can you mostly see? Okay. It's those pillars. So the, the four Brahma Viharas then, let's have a look at them. So the starting point is always metta or loving kindness. So I've put that in the middle, yeah? The starting point is loving kindness, yeah? That's what we get going first. And then when the loving kindness meets unpleasantness or pain, yeah? What the enlightened being has is a spontaneous response of compassion, yeah, or karuna. So metta meeting pain or unpleasantness is karuna, okay? Okay, so when that metta meets uh, gladness or joy, other people's good fortune, the response in an enlightened mind is spontaneously mudita, yeah? which is, can be described as a happy sensitivity to gladness. Yeah? And then upekka or equanimity is the sum of the two. So it's when we, can, we understand there's pleasantness and there's unpleasantness, pleasure and pain, and we can respond with equanimity. Because yeah? we it's got wisdom about it as well, yeah? It understands that things come and go. So that's not the end of the talk. We haven't done it now yet, yeah? I, I, yesterday, I was re I've been really struggling to write this talk, yeah? And I've been having to sort of try and do a bit of practicing of the old Karanar myself. Um, so, I'll just find my place. And you can tell I found it hard because I've got so many pages of notes, it's ridiculous. So is this our usual way of responding? Yeah? Do we spontaneously respond to unpleasantness or pain with compassion? Always, everywhere. No. I don't. I'd love to, but I don't. <laughs> and if somebody else is doing particularly well, do we always respond with a, a joy, a gladness that they're doing well? Always. <laughs> <laughs> Almost always. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. Easier to feel compassion than feeling joy. It's easier. Easy to feel compassion for yeah. someone than would it. Okay. Yeah, so it's easier. 
to feel compassion than it is to feel the gladness. Yeah? All right. So let's have a look then. So what we've got is a how we are now and a how we'd like to be. Yeah? So how we are now or how I am is that um, I'm very much at the centre of my life. Yeah? Yeah? And that you're all there. Yeah? But this is my world and my life here. Yeah? So uh, we tend to be self-referential. Yeah? And around us are the normal human uh, poisons, you might like to say, that is part of being a human being. So we carry with us or we respond through a veil of greed, hatred and delusion or craving hatred or aversion and delusion or spiritual ignorance. So that's how we meet the world, with those poisons around us. And we also have our own habits and conditioning from the past. Yeah, All that's made us what we are here and now in this moment. Yeah, And that's how we meet the world. So what happens is uh, we're, we're just getting on with our life and we come into contact with something. Okay, let's, so let's start with the, with the positive. So the door opens and in walks um, a very good friend. Yeah, somebody who I feel a lot of love for. In they walk and what happens? I experience pleasure. I experience pleasant Vedana. Pleasure. I come into contact and I experience pleasure. What do I want when I experience pleasure? More of it. Yeah. So I'll go rushing up to the person, give them a hug, ask them when we can have a coffee. Yeah. It's not necessarily always a bad thing to want to be friendly, but I know that my friendliness can be suffused with craving, wanting more of it. Yeah. And the same thing applies um, to um, chocolate cake as long as it's gluten-free. The same thing applies to seeing a lovely dress in a shop window. All right, that's, that's, they're the sort of stuff I respond to with craving and lots of other things too. Okay, so let's, let's look at the other side now. So um, the door opens and in, some, in, in walks somebody I've had a row with. What do I experience? Excitement. Do you? <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> so I don't experience excitement. I experience uh, um, fear often, or anger, or irritation. But before that, what I'm experiencing is pain. It's unpleasant. I don't want them to come in the door. Yeah, I'd rather they stayed at home. Yeah, or just just didn't come into my sphere. Okay. I experience pain. And then what, what do I want to do if I experience pain? Push it, away. push it away. Yeah, push it away. Yeah. That's our normal response. My normal response is not always compassion and mudita. And it's not very often, hardly ever, this. Yeah. So how do we move from one to the other? Well, the Brahma Viharas, or cultivating the Brahma Viharas, support us finding a more creative response. Yeah? They give us the fuel 
the energy, if you like, to find another response. So that we don't keep repeating the same habit. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you're a bundle of habits? I do. Yeah. So the cultivating the Brahma Viharas helps us to find a more creative response to Vedana, to feelings that are unpleasant, feelings that are pleasant, and perhaps ones that we don't really know, or are a bit of a mixture. Yeah. So what does it take to know what the feeling is? What do we need so that we are aware that something's pleasant or unpleasant? Yeah, we do. Mm. And that's mindfulness. So these practices uh, need a grounding in mindfulness. So it's helpful if we've got a mindfulness practice as well. Yeah, We need to know what's going on. And one, of course, one of the foundations of mindfulness is mindfulness of feeling. And that means Vedana. It also helps if we know ourselves. And of course, that's a journey, isn't it? We don't press a button and then know ourselves. It takes years of unfolding. Yeah. And the, the, the positive emotion meditations or cultivations are part of a system of meditation. Yeah. So they are, they need, they're grounded in, med, in mindfulness. So Vedana, or feeling, and a mindfulness of Vedana, is the point at which the Brahma Viharas can make a difference. That's where they operate. So otherwise known as the gap. Yeah? So it's in the gap, sitting in the gap. Uh, between uh, feeling and craving, where we make it, where it makes a difference. So, what is important to clarify is we're not trying to make the feeling go away. Yeah. So, if we experience pain, yeah, we're not trying to make the pain go away. What we're trying, what we're doing with the Brahma Viharas, is we're being alongside it. Yeah. So let's let's think of an example. So um, I'm uh, I, I'm going to give you an example from my community now. It's only about me, Diane Andy, so it's all right. Um, is uh, is we've got a dishwasher? Yeah, Buddhist community with a dishwasher. <laughs> and um, when we got the dishwasher, I think I moment, uh, for a while I thought that all the problems about washing up would be resolved. <laughs> now we have little problems about the dishwasher because because our minds were still present and this, you know that's the issue so who empties the dishwasher who keeps the kitchen clean yeah so we all do and it's an area of great challenge for me yeah who owned a house on her own for a long time and it was always neat and tidy yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't enjoy it when the kitchen's a mess. Yeah. So I'll come down in the morning, and the night before I'd made sure it was tidy, and I'll come down in the morning, there'll be crumbs on the work surface, tea, mucky tea bags in a bowl. I don't understand why they don't just go in the bin. <laughs> yeah. And, um, 
so what I'm experiencing is quite a lot of aversion yeah uh, quite a lot of aversion uh, rather than uh, co compassion anyway quite recently I've decided that this is my Brahma Vihara practice so when I empty the dishwasher now, when I clean the kitchen, I, my, what I'm aspiring to do is practice the Brahma Viharas. Yeah, and it's really helping. I'm quite enjoying it. And we're quite delighting in the result of having cleaned the kitchen. Yeah. And that idea came from a conversation with a friend who is really good at keeping a particular kitchen somewhere else tidy. And I said to her, how do you do it? She said, I love it, I enjoy it. And I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to love it. <laughs> and because I've decided that I'm going to love it, and that's what I keep coming back to, it's changing my brain, isn't it? So when we turn to something different again and again and again, it changes the structure of the brain. Yeah? It causes a neurological change in our brain. That's how it works. So I'm, what I'm endeavouring to do is, when the kitchen's a mess, I'm endeavouring to bring to mind, why is it like this? What are the conditions that led to this kitchen being a mess? Because my, my experience is that understanding brings about compassion. When you know why some things happen and why somebody hasn't been how you want them to be, yeah, you can respond with compassion. And when I arrive in the kitchen and it's already been done, I really am experiencing quite a lot of uh, gladness, yeah, which is enjoyable, yeah. So the other thing I've noticed in this is when am I not able to do this the most? When is it most difficult for me to respond with positive emotion to the dishwasher in the kitchen? It's when I'm tired. Uh, I recently did um, kept pacing diaries for a Breathworks trainer course in which I was recording every activity for 15 minutes for a week, honestly. Talk about, yeah, it was very difficult to do and I didn't want to do it. But when I did it, I got a really important bit of learning, which is that if I'm tired, I'm anxious. They're directly related to one another. Yeah, and anxiety is the, the most the, the part I have to work with that. It's part that's what I bring, the conditioning that I bring. It matters that I don't get very tired. Okay. <clears throat> so it seems to me that mindfulness is the ground for the Brahma Viharas. Yeah? And if you like, the Brahma Viharas are the potential flowers that can grow out of that ground. And the practices or cultivating the Brahma Viharas are like the sunshine, the water and the plant food. I nearly wrote manure but it didn't seem quite positive enough or something. And perhaps Vedana is the hole in which we're dropping the seed. Yeah, don't know if it works really. Um, and uh, I did, I, I, I found myself then thinking, so what are those flowers, if they're flowers of the Brahma Viharas? And uh, I, I quite, I do respond to imagery and, and I'm sure some of you will in your meditation. I know that everybody doesn't. But what came up for me was that metal is the most beautiful pale pink rose that's really richly scented and a pale pink and multi-petaled. That karuna is a white rose 
very simple with a raindrop on it. That Muditar is a huge yellow daisy. Glorious yellow daisy. And Upeka is a blanket of wood anemones. But they're not ordinary wood anemones. They're in Finland, my partner's Finnish. It's a blanket of blue wood anemones. Now, they get bashed about by the weather, these little flowers, but they keep being beautiful. They just take it and they're rare. All right, they're a protected species. Now, Upeka is a highly elevated state. Yeah, perhaps it's rare. So there we go, a pink rose, a white rose with a raindrop, a glorious yellow daisy and a blanket of blue wood anemones. Okay, so just something for us to think about. Uh, Vedana, or feeling, manifests over a very, very broad bandwidth, yeah? From very, very unpleasant, yeah? Through to very, very pleasant, yeah? So the, the worst possible unpleasantness to the highest levels of pleasantness, yeah? And all between, yeah? So, we've all got a bandwidth, haven't we, over which we can operate, yeah? And it's worth just reflecting on what is our bandwidth? What are the areas of pleasantness and pleasantness, unpleasantness and pleasantness where we can respond with love? Yeah. And where we can respond consistently? And what does it take? Yeah, so that might be something for you to reflect on. So I'll just give you two examples. So um, at the new year, my boss left at the, the job where, that I do two days a week and I was gutted. I'm very fond of him and he actually appointed me and I've really enjoyed working for him and he, he left. Very friendly man. And then we've, we've got someone else doing the job temporarily who isn't friendly at all. I found that so painful and for about three weeks I just could not find it in me to respond with anything positive at all. I didn't like her, uh, I didn't like what she was doing, um, I didn't like how she spoke to me, she didn't actually, uh, I just didn't like her. Yeah. So it took me about three weeks to realise and what I realised I was actually experiencing grief about my, my ex-boss leaving, real grief and sadness. And once I let myself feel that, because it didn't feel quite right to have such strong feelings about someone at work. Weird, isn't it? But I did. I did feel them. Once I let myself have those feelings and realised with some kindness, perhaps compassion, actually I was missing him. I was, uh, yeah, I was able to find a way of, of uh, moving towards this new lady. Yeah, she wasn't going to move towards me. Yeah, and I've perhaps because we've practiced the Dharma, we've got, we've got a bit more responsibility, yeah, to move towards her. Okay, so that was one area. And then um, this week I met with a friend. I went over to see her at her house. And this lady is amazing. She, so she's suffering a lot and is in a very particularly difficult phase in her life. And yet what I saw was her practicing it, with su practicing the Dharma with such grace with such beauty, 
and such oh it was just beautiful and i i was experiencing the brahma viharas all at once yeah so i really felt for her and her situation and i and i delighted that she was able to work with it in such a creative way so that oh, that was my bandwidth that day yeah so one of the differences was that i knew how i felt and i wasn't stressed and rushed yeah, whereas at work, um, often all of those things, yeah. And it doesn't always bring out the best. Okay, so let's move on now to how do we do this thing called the Brahma Viharas then? Yeah, how do we change our minds? How do we, we change our response to Vedana? So the first thing is there are the meditations. So Brahma Vihara meditations, they're Bhavana practices, yeah, Metta Bhavana Karuna Bhavana, Mudita Bhavana, Upeka Bhavana. They all begin with Metta. So, five, six stages, one, two, three, I'm just counting them, six stages. Uh, we always begin with self Metta. And then the next stage is we bring to mind someone we either know is suffering or who's having uh, a particular good fortune or is doing particularly well right now so then what we do is we let the metta move towards them in their suffering state or their joyful state yeah we aren't making ourselves make karuna right, come on where's the karuna we're not doing that we're letting metta flow towards someone who's suffering Mudita will just be the natural result. So we do this with somebody who we know is suffering and then we bring to mind a good friend. And however wonderful their life is, there may well be something <coughs> that's painful or difficult. If there isn't, there's always the potential for suffering and pain in all our lives. Then we bring to mind a neutral person we bring to mind someone with whom we have a difficulty. Yeah, that's a challenge. Yeah, someone we're not getting on very well with. We're wanting our metta to move towards them, knowing that there will be some suffering here, yeah, in their lives. Then we bring to mind all five people, and then we allow our metta to move out towards all beings, our metta infused with compassion. Yeah. Meta are out into the world to all living beings who suffer. Or meta towards all living beings who have good fortune, gladness in their lives. And then in the Upeka Bhavana, we're bringing to mind the fact that each of those people has joy, has good fortune and has pain. one can also practice these um, developing these states out off the cushions yeah so just wanted to uh, share two little ideas two things I've been doing recently one is I've got a little moody tar booklet this is my moody tar booklet so uh, Maitreya Bandhu mentioned this yesterday there's research that shows that if we keep a little book of things that have gone well each day 
or things that we're grateful for, we write them down, we can really have make a difference to our minds. So a big research project got people with depression to do this. And the people who were depressed, um, after three weeks of writing down what they were grateful for or that had gone well each day, three things each day, they were able to reduce their depression medication significantly. So I do this if my mood's low, yeah? It's amazing, the stuff that you write down. All sorts of things. So this is, listen, see if you can work out the, I can't remember the date of this, the Olympic opening ceremony. How moving, how beautiful, how proud I feel to be British. Yeah? So there you go. Yeah, so that's an idea. Another thing I've been doing is I've been reading a lot about the science of compassion, yeah? And I'm, what I'm really surprised about is the difference it's made to my attitude to myself, yeah? Somehow I've got more reason to uh, respond to myself with compassion because I understand the science. Now, I am a, my training is a science background. I didn't think I was bothered about the science, but I, clearly it's made a little bit more of me be behind the intention to respond with kindness. Yeah. And that feels like a practice because I'm reading The Compassionate Mind by Paul Gilbert um, most days. It's a wonderful book. Okay, so something just of interest, just to finish off, is just to um, point out that these Brahma Viharas support one another. They work together. They augment each other. And I'm not a very good artist, but this is a bird in the sky. It's more like fish, really, isn't it? <laughs> a goldfish in the sky. Okay, so they work together, yeah? The body of the bird is metar. That's always where we start, yeah? And then it has two wings, karuna and mudita, compassion and sympathetic joy. What happens if you chop off that wing? Falls out the sky, yeah? Falls out the sky. What happens if you chop that one off? Same thing, yeah? That's what happens. They need, they're needed to balance each other, yeah? Because it's always easy to tip over into something else that isn't quite a Brahma Vihara. And I've tried. I've been trying to make up a diagram for this uh, since yesterday, and this, this is a bit, this will help a bit, yeah? So, if we begin with metta, yeah? Metta's pleasant, isn't it? Yeah, metta's pleasant. So there's always the tendency in metta to tip over into craving because we like it, yeah? And when we do that, metta becomes sentimental affection, yeah? Which means there's something in it for us, yeah? We're wanting something from it. So what helps us in that situation is to bring in karuna or compassion, is to remember... Uh, that there's pain as well, yeah? Remember that there's pain as well, yeah? And this pleasure won't last. So then we're in 
Remove the karuna bhavana. So when we're faced with suffering, there is a risk of horrified anxiety because it's painful. So there's a tendency to flip into aversion, yeah, when we're faced with suffering, yeah. So this, I, this is, I have to work with this, yeah. So a very, very strong memory for me is seeing the tsunami on the television. I couldn't handle it at all. I was absolutely horrified and I lost sleep and well, I was just not able to handle it. So I had to actually turn the telly off and do lots of metabhavana. So when we flip, we have to go the other way. What helps is going the other way and doing, going back to self-meta. Yeah? And also remembering that yes, this is really awful, it's terribly painful and, whoops, getting all tangled up here. And at the same time as there always being suffering and pain, there are joys, there, are, uh, there will be pleasant things as well in our experience. I don't know if you've read Vidya Mala's book on um, pain and mindfulness, yeah? But she talks about being in the hospital after having spinal surgery and being in pain everywhere. But she consciously decided to look for some pleasure in her experience. And she found some. She found the feeling, the sensations of an eyelash on her cheek. So whatever suffering there is, there's always something pleasant to turn to. We're not doing it to deny the suffering, we're doing it to help us handle it. Yeah? So, Upeka is where we're able to hold both pleasant experiences and unpleasant or painful experiences. And sometimes that can lead to a turbulent mind where we just can't quite hold it. You're like that, oh, there's all this pleasant, all this pain, oh my God, yeah? And what helps there is going back to metta. So they all work with one another, they augment. So if we develop and cultivate the Brahma Viharas, happiness, benefit, satisfaction, ease will arise. We will have a happier mind. But is that it? Do we keep it for ourselves? Will we keep having a happy life if we do keep it for ourselves? I don't think we will. Certainly that's not my experience. In fact, practicing the Brahma Viharas opens our hearts. So we become more aware of other people's suffering and joys. Is that your experience? Yeah, we see it more, we notice it more. Yeah. Yesterday we were being encouraged by Maitre Bandu to really look, to look and see it. Yeah. And it's not an easy task to see it, particularly to see the suffering. It's endless. And this is where we need one another. Yeah. We need, um, we need one another, to, we need to do this together. Yeah, to develop positive emotion together so that we can collectively and supportively of each other respond to the suffering of the world. We need, we're, going, we're fueling ourselves uh, with joy, with positive emotion. 
If we can do this, what will happen is the boundary between ourselves and others lessens. We become less concerned about our own struggles. We've got more energy to respond to people outside of us. And in a Sangha, there's even more possibility of that because we understand each other and we're having dialogue about it as well. I just wanted to finish with just sharing with you my strongest experience of the Brahma Viharas, which was when my dad died um, three years ago in August. So my dad fell in hospital and was unconscious for five days, surrounded by his family. And we are a very loving family, stable family. And there he was in hospital and we were surrounded by other people in a similar situation on a neurological intensive care unit where there were 20 people probably in a similar state to my dad, surrounded by their families. And what happened was, I think I just experienced the fruits of my practice. I just felt love the whole of the time I was with my dad, every minute. And when I went outside, um, there were uh, dads bringing little baby carriers to get their new babies. Um, there were elderly people who just got bad news. There were people with broken limbs. <clears throat> there were ambulances, lights and noises flashing all, and going on all the time. It was like life was in your face. Samsara was here. And what I didn't experience was a collapse into myself of, oh my God, this is terrible, it shouldn't be happening. Which is very familiar to myself, you know, that self-pity. It didn't happen. There wasn't a struggle between myself and all of that that was going on. It was as if I could really feel the pain of what was happening for my dad and my mum particularly and also see what was going on around. So the joy of the new baby and the despair and sadness of my dad dying. I was also very aware of my friends in the Sangha and the Order particularly sending me metta. I could feel it. They were all on an Order weekend, yeah? And I could feel it, yeah, their love and their care. And I didn't, I'm sure this is just the fruits of practice. It works. And what works is the struggle at the centre just lessens. Yeah. And I've got a poem, but it's not here. So we'll have it in the puja later. Okay, so I'm going to leave it there.